live from JRU Radio Studios in New York. This is the Kishroni Hour. And, uh, yeah. Today we do not have uh, any guests. And, uh, yeah, and we are looking for junior reporters. If you would want to be a junior reporter, please text this studio at 347 927 927 or call 718-683-5858 now to be uh, in part of the wonderful program. And uh, yeah, we look forward in uh, helping uh, you and uh, all year long. Um, anyways, right now we're going to talk about, we have to write a commercial, but first, Nisim, you know, I want to ask you a question. I never asked this question. I don't believe anybody ever asked this question. I want them to know. More of a children want to know. How did J Root Radio start? Yes. And. <laughs> oh, it's a long. How did How you know? It's, it's a long story, but uh, we can, you know, we, one day, one day you can interview me. Uh huh. <laughs> right. So, and. and but, uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. J Root Radio is basically started. Um, you know, it's uh, we we dealt. I don't know when when since become since I come so called bar chuba or trying to this. I found very uh, things that many things that we are basically uh, lack of information. Many of our children, many of our, ourselves, don't know not, almost nothing about. Uh, yeah, Yiddishkeit about what is all about to be a Jewish uh, boy, girl. What is all about to be a Jewish man? And unfortunately, that's that's something that really uh, in our in our part. And uh, what we now, whatever I have now, is basically it's something that uh, uh, you know we open a synagogue. Mm-hmm. And somebody just, I was I, I was in the middle of a job, and this was like funny, like 15 years ago. Somebody from Israel called me and said, you know, Anissim, uh, we have an organization that basically we open an organization, it's called Dabut, and we would we, like to know if you are willing to uh, to run it in the United States. I didn't know what what is all about. <laughs> I you know just said I didn't know what about you know. Basically, the only thing that I knew that that I'm just, uh, you know, trying to be Balchuva and trying to to see. And I I, I found this organization very interesting. Uh, the concept was uh, of uh, Rabbi Zamir Cohen is that uh, the media, if you cannot uh, fight. He, 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 uh, you join them, you know. If you can find the the you fight the media, join the media. Meaning that uh, we grew up on um, you know so many things that about religious about what is it about to be Jewish, so wrong. Ashkafa, it's no more Ashkafa. You know, we're talking about even in yeshivot. You know, talking about yeshiva boys and asking about yeshiva. What is all about praying? Uh, barely barely they know something so the idea is to come and basically to reach out to the to the people you know and what is the what is the best me what best is best way to do it is by by media 
Wow. Electronic, the electronic media. You can, you can print pamphlet. You can print flyers. It's still not. They cannot reach the same amount of people. Uh, you know, to the art of them, and bring them a quality. It's so. That's basically the the what happened behind the you know. And we had you know we had a lot of non-Jewish people. Okay, Nisim, thank you so much for okay. that. That listen to us only because we have some a value uh, a value on our uh, broadcast. Okay, wow. So, okay, okay, this is a, this. I hope I would cover a small small part of our J. Right. History. Okay. Fine. Anyways, you can listen to us on Naki Radio, and of course by calling seven one two four three two four two one seven, or call seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine. You know our motto? No talent rejected, no child refused. To participate, call 718-683-5858 or text 347-927-8398. And if you want to listen, as I just said, 712-432-4217. Or on the j Radio app or, of course, on the Naki Radio now, I asked two questions last week in Parshat Vayechi. It says Yaakov died and was gathered. The Rabbanim say Yaakov did not die, but Yaakov said he's going to die. So, well, that's the question. We did he, did, did he die or did he not die? Well, one answer is it could be Yaakov thought he might die, or he knew he wasn't going to die. I want the people to realize that he wasn't gonna die, and they he and that's actually one of the reasons why he wanted to be an Eretz Yisrael, not a Mitzrayim, because people might idolize him, make him into a Getchka, which of course uh, Yaakov Avinu did not want that. Now, question number two: Yosef told his brothers, "Don't be afraid. Am I like Hashem? Don't be afraid." Right. So why should he? Why did he say such a thing that "Don't be afraid. Am I like Hashem?" He what he should have just said. I'm not going to harm you. Well, the brothers did bad. Hashem then made it good. So Yosef said, if I want to pay you back, I'm going to need to do bad first. And then, uh, only then I could do bad. But Hashem could do this before any bad. Before any bad. Therefore, there's no reason to fear me. Anyway, to this week's question... Answer to this week's question. To this week's question, you want to know the question? Why did Paro specifically choose water as killing children as the Yiddish Kindlech? They want Paro wanted to kill Yiddish Kindlech, the Borchikos, the Yinglech, the the Yaladim, not the Yaladot, the Yaladim. He started off with Yaladim, the boys. Why did Paro want to kill the boys? And why did he choose water? That's the question. Why did he choose water to kill boys? Number two. How old was Moshe when he went to and uh, go to B'nai Yisrael to go take them out of Mitzrayim? How old was he? How old was he the first time when he went to there? Uh, the first time when he went to introduce himself to you then. Anyways. Well, the answer will be in next show. Now, if you know the answer, you can text it in to the studio. And you could be entered a nice, beautiful raffle. We're raffling golf and Naki Radio. I know many more stuff um, coming uh, 
in the near future some more things. But we're not going to talk about that right now. So you, if you know the answer to these riddles, you could text it in 347-927-8398. And all week long, you can text me at 347-927-3297 or call 347-927-3297. And please say your name when they ask you your name. Moshe. I'm not so fast to writing, so do it slowly. Slowly, uh, okay. Slowly, you know, you are, oh, you're too fast for you us. You know what? You're too fast for us, you know. We, I, and I know that... Uh, that The mouth talks quicker than the writing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to repeat the number right now. Thank you, Nisan, for that. 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. Nine two seven eight three nine eight. That's the studio number, and that's the number you're going to text in the answer. And all week long, if you want to text after the show anything, Mazel Tov, congratulations, uh, Bar Mitzvah, Bat Mitzvah, wedding, uh, graduation, all invitations are invited to, uh, yeah, to text me at three four seven nine two seven three. Two nine seven, and if you know the answer to these questions that I just said, text them in all week long to three four seven nine two seven three two nine seven to be in a raffle for amazing prizes. Oh, just okay. No, because I'm interfering a little bit, so I just want to say that uh, everybody that listen, we're looking for a junior reporter, right? I'm going to just announce that next. <laughs> okay, John. Okay, announce our junior reporters, and I will have another another edition. I'm looking for a new DJ Yuda. Oh wow! Look yes, at that. I'm looking boys. for boys, and I know boys, uh, and you know, I know that a lot of you, you know, DJ Yuda when it, when he started. Boys, now is your chance. This is your time. Yeah, when so, DJ Yuda started up here, believe me. DJ Yehuda was no DJ when he started, yes, he started but he became a DJ afterwards. No, it's not a matter. I, I don't want him to. I, I want <laughs> you to come here and enjoy the be a radio. Uh, you know, like like you, Moish. Remember, Me? you start, you start, you starting, you starting. I here. never started. <laughs> you starting here. You starting here as as helping for Rabbi Weinstein, right? Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, that was, a, that was, was good work. Was, I like that. You was scared. You was fearful. You know, I, you know. I'm still um, a little scared. <laughs> you know, everybody. So I just know that everybody can uh, join us. And you know what? I'm looking for kids that knows computers. I know the kids that uh, you know know the programming. Kids, you are ever huge talents. You, you can join us, make a shows for yourself, and you know, like that junior parasha hour. It's still available. Uh, you know, remember Rabbi Avi Galinsky? Avi Galinsky is such Yuda, a good bacher. You, 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 the Rubin, and all the rest. Avi Galinsky, we have to talk to him one week. We have to bring him in here. We have to interview him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he has time for us now anymore. He's a big <laughs> rabbi. He's a big magid. He's a big magid. You oh, know? really? He was, yeah. he's, he's gives share? Yeah. No, you don't. No, he's, a, no, just, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he's in, a, in a yeshiva. It's a, it's, it's very staggering. So you tell him to come here. Uh, you know, you can tell him, hey, Keshwani wants to interview you. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. Anyways, back to our show. You can send your Mazel Tovs to N-E-W-K-I-S-H-R-O-N-I hour at gmail.com that's n-e-w-k-i-s-h-r-o-n-i-h-o-u-r at gmail.com or you can text it in 
to me, 347-927-3297. And I want to wish a Mazel Tov, a huge Mazel Tov. Avi Buells. Avi Buells, how are you, Avi Buells? Oh my goodness, Avi. Oh, it's so unbelievable. You're 13 already, and we couldn't believe it. Um, and of course, Maya Shachter, Mazel Tov to you. Yeah, I heard you were an Eretz Yisrael. Um, and Mazel Tov, yeah. So, uh, such nice uh, things to hear that uh, that that uh, campers of mine are bar mitzvah. So nice to hear that. Anyways, going to our June reporters, we don't have any June reporters. Yeah, uh, we have uh, a storyteller. A storyteller, great. We have a storyteller right now, and uh, just let me just put him on. Air. We have a storyteller. Yes. Hang on a minute, guys. Okay, in here, here the storyteller. Hello, you on there? Oh. Shalom and good evening, Rabbi Grunfeld and Jerry Radio. It's a tremendous cover and tremendous honor to be on your wonderful Kiddush Hashem. And uh, Mr. Hashem, hopefully this won't be the first time we'll be on. As a child, I always thought of the time that I would be on radio, and I'd like to give you a very big chazak of and yashakayach for being able to fulfill my dream at the age of 38 of being able to do that. I am a Rav in Miami Beach, and I'd like to share with everyone a uh, number of stories with my great-grandfather, Alavashom. You may have not heard of him, but after you hear these stories, hopefully it'll knock your socks off and it'll be an inspiration not only for me, but also for you as well. So do I have your permission, Rabbi Grunfeld? Yes, yes you have my permission, definitely. <laughs> okay, here we go. Everyone knows of the Helge Chazanish, the holy Chazanish who lived in B'nai Brak over many, many years ago, and how he led Torah Jewry world jewelry at the forefront of everything that is holy. And the Chazanish one time was invited to serve as a sandik of a bris in a neighboring, a neighboring city right next to Bnei Brak. Givatayim was the name of the city. And right next to the city, the Chazanish was told that a cab was waiting for him outside to pick him up. It was in the summer months when the bris would be taking place. And it would escort him from his small, humble home to take him to where the bris would be taking place. The Chazanish turned to his, the person who was taking him and said, I don't need a cab. I want to walk on my bare feet. I would like to walk and go to this person's baby to serve a sandik. They said, Rabbi Harav Karelitz, how could you go? It's a chamsan right now. It's a very, very hot time. And you're not a young man anymore. If you were to go out, you could get something that's called heat stroke which means that if your body overheats because of the severe hot weather outside, you could really put your body in danger and you'll have to go to the hospital. The Chazanish was adamant and he said, no, we do have to go. I have to go on my feet and I will now proceed to walk. And with that, the Chazanish started to walk to the Sandik, to be the Sandik at this place. So the Gabbai who was standing next to the Sandik said, Rebbe, why is it that the, the Rav was to go on his feet? We've never heard of that before. Said the Chazanish, you don't know something that I know. And that is that this little baby's grandfather I knew personally in Europe as Gavena Grace Tzadik. He was a very righteous man. And this Tzadik, what he did for other people, the least I could do for him, and what he did for not only the people and for me, is I could show covet to him by walking to his anacle, his grandson's grit. Who was this person? That was my great-grandfather. His name was Rav Chaim Yakol Avram, the Perov. And the Chazanish said that 
when my grandfather, Olavashon, chose to leave Eretz due to the financial situation at that time, Chazanish told my grandfather, you should know one thing. Living as a Yid back in those days in the 1950s in America is a very difficult thing. The results of this in Einzach, you should know one thing. Remember, remember who your father was. Remember what a Yid he was, what a Tzaddik he was. And that should serve as an inspiration for you and your family to do the right thing. And my grandfather, Olav Hashem, used to always say that whenever he came to America and he was confronted with different Nisjanists, different situations, he always thought of what the Chazanish told him. And that was, remember who your father is. Remember where you come from. And that led my grandfather to many different decisions. Baruch Hashem, my family, can I her, all Shemitah and Mitzvahs. And it was because of the decisions my grandfather made, based on what the Chazanish told him. My grandfather said a story that one time, when he was running away from the Nazis, he ran away, and he was actually a group of a partisan group of people who fought against the Nazis. But the partisan groups, although they hated the Nazis, not necessarily did they like Jews. So my grandfather one time was not feeling so well, and he lay down in the forest, in the woods, and the next thing he knew, he woke up, he was shivering, he was freezing cold, and his whole body didn't feel right. And he felt like he was coming down with a fever. And my grandfather thought to himself, I have to turn to the people next to me. Maybe they can help me. He turned around and he saw all the people who were with him in his group just left him there. He was all by himself. And as he started to drift off into sleep, he was wondering, what will be of me? Is this my final time I will be sleeping on this planet as a live person? Maybe I will die now. No one's taking care of me. And my grandfather fell asleep. And in his sleep, he suddenly saw his father appear to him in a dream. And his father came to him and said, Don't worry. I'm with you and I'm going to help you. And with that, my grandfather woke up and he felt like a totally brand new person. And he wasn't even afraid anymore to walk all alone in the woods with wolves and Nazis searching. He yet was very confident because he knew, My father is watching over me. The Shner Cutler, the Rosh Yeshiva of Lakewood Yeshiva, the Basmanish Kavaya, learned the Chavrusa with my great uncle, my grandfather's brother. And Rav Aaron Cutler one time told Rav Schneer, who is it that this Chavrusa that you're learning with in class, who is it, what's his name? He said his name is Pesach Sova. He says, oh, is Rav Yakel his father? He says, yes, I want to tell you a story, says Rav Aaron, the Rosh Yeshiva. He says, I want to tell you a story about your Chavrusa's father. He said, at the first Knesset Gedola, after I go to Israel, I was at the Knesset Gedola, and when I was there, I saw an unbelievable Yid walk in, and while everyone was talking, suddenly the Chavetz Chaim was in the middle of talking. He stopped, he looked up, he saw this Yid walk in, he says, Rabbi Sai, we have to stand up. And he stood up. That was this Rabbi Yaakov And this, Kindle, I would like to share with you, I have to share with you a few stories that I've gleaned from that. And you know something? I was always thinking to myself, my, grand, my great-grandfather, he didn't live knowing that people were going to talk about him. But what he lived was to live like a real Yid, to live as an inspiration to Hashem. And every single one of us could be like that. When you hear stories of Tzadikim or Tzidkaniyas, you have to say to yourself, you know what, I also could do that. I could daven like them. I could learn like them. I could try to reach those goals. I'm very young, and maybe I can reach that. So I'd like to share with you a few more stories, if I may. And that is that my great-grandfather, he was known in the city and I read this from people who were not related to him. 
they said he was known as an adok v'tanoi. That means he was somebody that loved Hashem. And when he saw something bad happening against Hashem in his Torah, he would stand up and he would say, this is not right and we have to fight for Hashem's honor. And he was somebody that used to go around from city to city. If he found out that there was a mikvah that needed help, he just picked up whatever he was doing, dropped whatever he was doing, and just left and helped that city without getting paid. If he heard an Arab needed to be fixed, he dropped what he was doing and he ran. Now, you have to understand, my great-grandfather, he was the rub of the whole city. It's not like we have here sometimes in America in some places that you have this shul, this shtibol, and this place, this minion. What they had in Europe was that if you a shtetl, a little village or a city, they used to have the Rav Rashi. He was the Rav of the city. And that Rav, everyone used to have one Shabbos or a Shalshudist or a Minchatan. They would have that the Rav would come and he would make his rounds going from place to place. And my great-grandfather, and yet he was willing to drop everything he did just for another city if they needed his help. My great-grandfather used to have a shear that he would give on Ein Yaakov. That's Agadita Gemara. That's what we would call stories, but there's no such thing as stories in Gemara. This was rather divrei musr, words of Chazal, that were put in a story form for us to understand. Because, as we all know, we all love stories. And a lot of times, a very powerful lesson can be told to us through a story. So my great-grandfather used to say a lot of divrei Torah in his Ein Yaakov shir and in Mishnayah shir. And he did that for the simple people. And somebody one time asked him, why is it that you do that? He said, because they need to also learn. This was my great-grandfather. He wanted everyone to learn and everyone to be involved. So, Kindle, the same thing with you, too. If you see that there's a boy in your class that's not learning as well as you, he's not getting good geschmack and understanding as much as he should, go over with him and say, did you understand what Rebbe said today in Shir? Did you understand what the story was? And talk to him and say to him, hey, you know, I was thinking maybe we could play a game of ball together and think of another person. And you never know what that will do to somebody. Sometimes they've never been asked by somebody. You could do that too. That's what my great-grandfather did, and you could do that as well. No one's stopping you. Now, you have to understand, my great-grandfather, he also had a specific way that he wore clothing. One time, my grandfather asked him, why is it that you wear shoes without any shoelaces? We all know, boys, if you're a righty or a lefty, it depends how you put on your shoe, which shoe do you tie on first, the right or the left, the left or the right. My grandfather, my my grandfather said, Tata, why is it that you have shoes without laces? I thought there's halacha about how you're supposed to put on the laces. My great-grandfather told my grandfather, and he said, you know why I don't wear a shoe with laces? Because the few seconds it takes for me to tie my shoes, I could be learning Torah. I would have, and I don't want to waste that time washing my hands or wiping it on, let's say, a bench or on a table. Instead, I want to learn. I just want to slip on and go. Kindalach, it's the same thing too. The time that we have is so, so precious. We have to realize every second, every minute we have, that's it. We'll never get that minute back. We could always make any money or toys or things or bikes or scooters or things that we may have. If we lose it, we could always get a new one. But time, you can never get time back. You're always going to be who you are right now, and you can never go back in time. And that's another thing my great-grandfather taught me, which is how you have to be so careful with time and utilize every moment, use every moment towards getting closer to Hashem. When it came time for Simchas Torah, my great-grandfather was a fire of flame that even people 
who weren't necessarily part of the shul or the kilo, they would say, who is this yid? Kindalach, we could be like that too. Do you know what it is to have a geschmack? And like Rabbi Grunfeld was saying, all these beautiful questions on the Parsha. Share that with your family. When you come to the Shabbos table, ask them. Hey, do you know the answer to this question? I just heard on j Radio, a beautiful question on this week's Parsha. Maybe you have an answer. And you never know. You might be on the next j Radio show and the station as well. But more than that, what you see from that is, is that when you have such simcha and such a geschmack, it literally it radiates, which means it goes out and everyone feels it. And that you could, doesn't have to be a simcha satara. It could be every Shabbos. It could be every moment. You could have simcha satara. And the Goyim even, they said on my great-grandfather that they knew he was a chash of yid. My father and my uncle, they went on a tour in the Ukraine, which is where my grand, great-grandfather was the Rav. And they were going around asking different people if they remember my great-grandfather, they remember my grandfather. And a few people said they remembered, they showed them the house. And on their way out of, the sh- uh, of, of one of the cities where my great-grandfather lived, an elder guy, a guy, saw them. He says, wait, wait, Jid, Jid, you're a Jew, you're a Jew. He pointed to my, my father and my uncle. They said, yes, we're a Jew. And they had a translator. And he said to them in Ukrainian, he says, I want to tell you something about your, fa- your father, your grandfather. He was a very well-respected man. He says, I remember when he passed away. He, was, he passed away at night, and there were torches. And that, my, my, parent, my father's jaw dropped when he said that, because my grandfather said it when he was a little kid. He was a yasum, he was an orphan, and he remembers when my great-grandfather passed away. He said it at night with torches. He said the same thing my grandfather said. And they were going, wow, that's amazing. What else do you remember about the rabbi there, the rabbi? He says, I remember when we would be outside, and the rabbi would walk in the street. We would put our cigarettes away if we were smoking them, not to sh- show that like as a disrespect. We don't want to smoke in his face. And not only that, he said, whenever we would have an argument, me, Ivan, would argue with Igor about whether or not he owed me a bottle of vodka or whether I had to cut three cu- crops of grain and he, or he should cut two. We didn't know who to go to. We knew the one person everyone could go to and trust was the rabbi. Rabbi Sova, that was the one we knew we could go to. That's a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, Kindalach. When you're outside, you may not realize it, but when you wear your yarmulke, you wear your tzitzis, you wear clothes that are tzinua, clothes that are tznius, you are proclaiming to the world, you're telling to the world, Ich bin ayid, I am a yid, I'm a Jew, and I'm a proud Jew. When you make brachas, when you act with midas and derecharetz, and you talk nicely to everyone, everyone says, wow, that's beautiful. I wish I knew more children like that. I wish I knew more people that would act like that. And we could all do that as well. If we would understand that every person can make such an impact that even the Goyim say, let's go speak to him. They may do that to you as well. And they say, well, we don't know if this is the right thing to do. Let's ask you. And they'll walk over to you and say, do you think it's right that this boy should be doing this or this girl should be doing that? And that's the idea as well. You can make a tremendous Kiddush Hashem by the things that you do, just like my great-grandfather did. My great-grandfather was somebody that when it came to this world, he was not connected to this world. Whenever people would come and try to give him money, he would push the money away with his elbows. And my great-grandmother said, what are you doing? He says, I don't want to have anything to do with this world. All I want to do is learn Torah and get close to Hashem. I don't even want to touch money. It has nothing to me. It means nothing to me. I'll never forget, Kindalach. I had this chus of 
going to a very, very big tzaddik. Maybe you did also have a very big tzaddik who unfortunately was taken away from us last year. If you ever went into his house or you look at pictures of his house, and you look at that house, you say, what's going on over here? Why does he live like that? The answer is because this world is not what's important. It's the next world that's so important. I want my home in the next world to be a beautiful palace, and I want to be able to talk to all the Heligat Sadiqim and the Rebbes and people that are close to Hashem, and I want to be close to Hashem. But this world, it's only a tunnel to get to the ultimate goal, which is Elam Haba, the next world. And my grandfather said, I don't want to look at even a, the Tzuras Matbeah, even the, the shape of the coin. It doesn't mean anything to me. And he would even push it away with his elbow, saying, I don't want to touch it. My grandfather's Kaya Chatzila, his great Gevaldiga Bren, that he had when he came to, to davening, was unbelievable. People from other cities, and I saw this in other reports, not just from hearing it from my family, people from other cities used to come to see my grandfather Davin with such his slahavos, with Mamish Abren, he was talking to HaKadosh Baruch and he was on fire. And people got such a cheshek for tefillah. Kindalach, do you know when you Davin and you say, Amen, Amen Yeheshmei Rabba, says the Gemara and Shabbos, Koyrim shivim shana. That means if HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that there has to be Rachman Wassalam, a horrible thing that could happen to anyone, you, Kindalach, have the power with your mouth to say, And with that saying, Hashem, your name should be Gebench. Hashem tears up the decree, not only for right now, not only for next week, not only for next month or next year. 70 years. Kindalach, think about that. That's older than you. That's older than me. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. From what? From tefillah. Your tefillah is such a powerful thing. And if you understand that it's a gift from Hashem that you're able to daven, you would take it so much more seriously. Hashem wants to hear. He loves hearing. He loves it with his sahabas, the davening, and every single one of us could do it. So, Kendall, a good idea might be, if you don't understand the words that you're saying, ask your Rebbe, what does this word mean? And what does the next word mean? Why did HaMelech say it like this? Why did he say it this way? And you'll be blown away about the secrets that tefillah has to offer. And every day is a new tefillah. And the Yetzirah tries to tell you, oh, it's the same thing over and over again. No, it's not the same thing over and over again. Your tefillah that you did today is different than the one yesterday, and that's Hashem, the one that's going to be tomorrow. Totally different. But that's the Kayach that my grandfather said. The Kayach was so great. People from all over came with such a Slahavos. It was so great, in fact, that when my great-grandfather passed away, they took a bunch of chains, and they chained off the area where my grandfather sat. Why was that? Because in the ground of where my grandfather stood, there were grooves. Grooves means there's like little holes in the floor. Can look, imagine that. Next time I want you to look down at the floor when you're dominating and see how flat and smooth it is. It looks exactly the same like the next piece of, uh, piece of uh, pain right next to it. And everything looks exactly the same. Imagine what that is. is a piece of ground is so indented, which means it has a little hole on the inside, the shape of two feet. Can you imagine what his slava said is to go back and forth and shuckle the, go back and forth and back and forth to daven such the slavas? People were inspired by that even when he was nifter and passed away, that those chritzim, those little holes, those indentations were still there and it made a tremendous ration on people. My grandfather who daven in the north 
east corner. You used to daven facing towards the Arnach and that was the area that they cordoned off, that they put off with the chain. And it made a tremendous impact on people. And you could do that too, Kindelach. My grandfather, the whole day, he would sit with Talos and Tzillin, like Yidin used to do. In the old days, we used to wear Talos and Tzillin the whole day. But unfortunately, we lost our kavana, we lost keeping our bodies clean. But my grandfather was very careful about that. The whole day, he would learn with Talos and Tzillin. He'd daven with Talos and Tzillin to Mincha time, take off his Talos and by Mincha, daven Marev, and then he would go home. And then he would spend time with my grandfather and his brothers and the Rebetzin and my great-grandmother. And the story goes is that my great-grandfather, he had a very special siddur that was very beloved to him. In Kindelach, by the way, this should tell you another thing. You've got to get a good siddur, a siddur that speaks to you, a siddur that tells me why I'm davening, why it's so chashiv and why it's important that I should daven. And he had a special siddur which he got from a seifer, somebody who was a heligiyid, who wrote Ksav Ashuris, and he wrote the entire siddur from the beginning to end, with, I'm sure, with Kavanos behind the name of Hashem. And that was my sick, my great-grandfather's seifer that he would always use for tefillah. And there are two stories that were said with this sitter that at least we know of. The first one was that there was a child who was very, very sick. Now, Kindle, you have to understand, in the olden days, it wasn't like you go to the doctor now and he gives you the amoxicillin, the bubblegum medicine, or he gives you other medicine if you're allergic to that. And then you call it a day, it's over, and Baruch Hashem, we have wonderful medicine. Back in those days, if somebody got sick, there was a question that maybe the person might die. It was very, very, very nervous. People were very nervous about what would happen. The story goes that a young child got sick and got worse and worse and worse. And the doctor came in and he shook his hand and he said, I'm very sorry, but I cannot do anything for him. And with that, the doctor picked himself up and walked away. The mother said, hey, what are we going to do? What am I going to do with my little, my little kid, my, my child? I can't lose my child. And somebody said, go, go to the Rebbe, go to the Rebbe Sofa, go to him and ask him, ask the Rebbe, ask the Rebbe. So with that, she ran in. And she ran to the Rav's house and she started, Rav, Rav, please! I'm asking the Rav, please, daven for my kin. But my grandfather didn't hear what was going on and said, the Rebetzin, my great-grandmother, she heard, she walked out and she said, what, what, what's going on, what's going on? She said, my child's about to die, please do something. So my great-grandmother ran in and she said, Yaku, Yaku, what are you going to do? So my great-grandmother says, I've daven enough then, you have to daven. And he gave the sitter to my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother immediately ran to the house with the sitter in hand they put it under the baby's, uh, under the child's pillow and started dominating. And suddenly the child's fever broke. And he was as if nothing happened to him. They took the sitter out and they saw a tremendous Yeshua from that. And the story happened that there was another time a woman who was about to push a baby out. Now, Kindleach, again, you have to thank Hashem that we have a lot of modern miracles called medicine and technology. And when a woman would push a baby out, sometimes the mother and or the baby would die because it was a very dangerous time. The Gemara tells us that the Shasakana, at a dangerous time, the Sultan is Makatri, the Yitzhahara says terrible things, and can Chasasham take a person's Neshama away from their body? For example, what's called Shasakana, a dangerous says the Gemara, this is referring to when a mother has a baby. It's a very dangerous time. So when this mother was pushing the baby out, the baby got stuck, and someone said, Ive, you may die, the baby may die. And they said, go to the Rav, go to the Rav, go to the Rav, Yaakov Sova, please go to him. And they ran to him again, and they asked him what to do, and he said, and he gave the sitter, and they ran, and the story goes, is that suddenly the Kolkarov got up from his seat and said, it's very, very strange what's going on right now. And he got up from his seat, he walked to the house where the mother was giving birth, 
he tied a piece of yarn. And with that yarn, he walked with it still connected to the doorway of where the mother was giving birth to the baby. And he walked with the yarn all the way to one of the shoals, the shoal where he davened. And he went up to the Beis HaKnesses, to the shul, and he walked up to the Arn Kaidish, and was still holding the ball of yarn. He started davening and chuckling. People were wondering, what's happening? What's happening? Ten minutes passed. Twenty minutes passed. After 35 minutes, the Kolkorov claps his hands and says, Ah, Gavaldik, Mazeltov, it's a boy. And he took the yarn with him, and he started calmly walking back. How did he know? He was in the shul davening. So somebody, as just was, he just wanted to know, he looked at his little watch that he had, his little pocket watch, and he saw what time it was, at 12.37. So he walked back, and then he hears, <coughs> they hear a baby, they say, oh my gosh, it's, what is it? They said, Mazeltov, it's a baby boy, everyone's fine. So one of the people said, what time was the baby born? He said, oh, the baby was born a few minutes ago, uh, 12.37. Same time with the Rav, the Kolkorov saw that. His Kayach was great. Kindalach, it's not just Sadiqim that could do it. You hear somebody is not well. You hear somebody that has a problem. They're trying to get a job, or they're trying to have a shidduch, they're trying to get married, or they're trying to have children. We all know people. Or you have friends of yours in class, but they're not doing well in their grade, or they're not feeling good about different things. You can daven for other people. You don't need to be just a halakhet tzaddik to daven for them. Every one of us could do it. You could do it too. Just daven, daven, think of other people. You know how happy Hashem is when he sees, look at my kindleach. They're thinking of other people, and they're saying, Hashem, please look out for this person and that person. Hashem says, oh, you're going to look out for other people? I'm going to look out for you. When you daven for somebody else, Hashem answers you, because that means you care about all his kindleach, and that means he'll care about you as well. And the story that my grandfather used to say is that one time he heard some knocking, knocking on, he was sleeping, and he heard some knocking on the floor. He was wondering, what's going on? And he looked into a little people, and that's a little a place where you put the, the key in, and he saw into the, the room where his father slept. There was like a, it was like a dining room, sort of living room. They didn't really have that much. It was a small little shack, small little house. He saw my grand, great-grandfather sitting with a kittel, a white kittel that we wear on Yom Kippur or Pesach time, or people who die. And he was on the floor, and he had ash on his head, and he was rolling around going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My grandfather got nervous. He's like, what happened? What happened? And he ran out. He says, Tata, Tata, what's wrong? What's wrong? And the grandfather, my great-grandfather said, no, 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 nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. It's okay. Just go to sleep. Everything's okay. And then my great-grandmother walked out, and she said to my, my grandfather, oh, sure, what's wrong? What's wrong? He says, what happened to Tati? Why is Tati on the floor? Is everything okay? Is he dying? No, no, no. My kid, he's saying, Tikkun Chatzais. He's so sad that Hashem had to destroy the Beis Hamikdash, and we have to be in Gullus. And every night, my great my grandfather used to hear my great grandmother going, "Ah, yeah, 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 yeah," and crying over the, uh, trying, crying over the Chorban that we don't have a Beis Hamikdash right now. And he made such an impression on my grandfather. And he remembers one time he was on the floor and he was crying so much, and my grandfather was wondering what in the world happened. Why is he crying more than usual? And listen to what my grandfather heard my great-grandfather say. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's horrible, it's horrible. And my great-grandfather would say, Yoko, Yoko, what's going on? Why are you crying? What's wrong? He says, Dabala, her name was Dabala. He says, Dabala, he says, Mashiach was about to come today, but somebody did an Avera, and I saw Mashiach turn around and say, I can't come. Yidin are not yet ready. Not yet ready. My grandfather heard that. This is a Yid who thought about Hashem. He thought about Mashiach. 
He thought about Kalistro. Every one of you, think about it. If you drop a pass in recess, if you don't get that grade that you wanted to, that feeling that you have of feeling bad about yourself, just remember, Hashem feels even more bad. He says, look, I have my Klal Yisrael. They're away from the Beis HaMikdosh. They're not near me. They're not near my table anymore. What's going to be? I don't want to hurt them anymore, but what could I do? I'm in so much pain, Hashem says. That pain that you feel, say, Hashem, I feel your pain. I want Mashiach to come. I want the Beis HaMikdosh to be here. I want to serve you closer. And when a person says, Hashem says, you know what? I will bring Mashiach. I will bring the Gula. I will bring my malchus, my kingship back down, because people want it. And when Hashem sees people want that, that's the idea behind it as well. You don't need just to be a big, big tzaddik to get up and say, if you do that, that's great. But even if you don't, if you feel bad about something, channel that, aim that towards Hashem feels even worse. And Hashem, I'm so sorry you have to be in pain. I don't want you to be in pain. I don't want people to suffer. I want everyone to be happy. When Mashiach comes, everyone will be happy. I want you to be happy as well. And I'd like to conclude, which means I'd like to finish with two more stories, and then we're just going to go down very quickly point by point so you remember. It's always good to do Chazara. And the two stories are the following. The last two stories are that when it came to my grandfather's way of Shalom, he was remarkable. He was so exceptional. He was so good. The first story is told is that one time, a big tzaddik, a big rebbe was coming into town. And suddenly, when my grandfather heard about it, he told people, if anyone has any questions, you could ask the Rebbe. You don't need to ask me. He said, Avarov, where are you going to be? He said, I have to take a vacation. I'm going to be away for Shabbos. I have to look at another town. And this started happening very often. So people started saying, Rebbe, where are you going? Every time it looks like that there's a Rebbe or something that comes to town, you leave. And listen to what my great-grandfather said. He said, when the Rebbe or the Tzadik comes into town, I want them to feel so comfortable. And I don't want other people to be like, oh, I'm not going to go to that tzaddik. I'm not going to go to that rebbe. I don't want to be, look, I have my rub here. I don't need to go to someone else. And that tzaddik will feel bad. I want, when someone visits my city, I want them to have the full benefit of everyone coming to them. Kindelof, that's so beautiful. That's so selfless. That's thinking of other people. If you're standing online and you see there's only one piece of something left, and you're the one that's there, split the piece with the person next to you. They're also hungry. Or if you see that someone is about to take a drink, and they go, I'm so thirsty. Get some cups and share it with other people. Be selfless. Don't think about yourself. Think of others too. If you're schlepping a chair from one room to another because something's happening, a Rebbe's giving a misiba, or there's a speech or something happening, don't schlep one chair. Rebelli Lapian used to say, you schlep one chair, you're a schlepper. You slept two chairs, you're a Baal Chesed. You think of other people. Be selfless as well. And the final story. This story, I have to give a little background because you'll appreciate it a lot more. I never appreciated it until a few years ago. I was doing some research, and I saw this, and it blew my mind away. My grandfather was a Rav from the age of 29. Now, for you to be a Rav at 29 years of age in Europe, you have to really, really know your stuff. So obviously, you have to know shafts. That's without without even getting off of first base. But you had to know your stuff. And the story goes is that my grandfather, when he was a Rav for a, a, a very long period of time in a certain city, that was for 31 years. And this city that he was the Rav in, there was a very, very, very wealthy family. Like, really wealthy. So wealthy, in fact, that even today in Eretz Yisrael, they have a city named after them. 
And I'm not telling you for a reason. You'll see why in a second. And what happened was, this family was not exactly as from as they should have been. And they had a rule, which was the Rav in Shtot, the Rav of the city, when somebody got engaged, they would officially, the parents of the column, where they were the ones that were hosting the wedding, they would invite the Rav to be Misada Kedushin. He would be in charge of the wedding. So my great-grandfather had a rule. And the rule was that he doesn't tell people what they have to be like, because unfortunately people in Europe thought it was, not, it was the right thing to not keep so many mitzvahs at that time. And as a result of that, some people, for example, like women, they wouldn't cover their hair properly. My grandfather had a rule. At the chasana, at least at the chasana, you had to cover your hair. If you don't cover your hair, I'm not coming, I'm not Masada Kedushin, which is a big dishonor because he's the rub of the, sh- of the stuff. So the story goes is that this very wealthy family, hey, they were not, she was not covering her hair. They told the rub that, he sent back a message, well, then you're going to have to get someone else. No, you have to do it. No, some other people allowed. He says, well, I don't allow it. I'm not doing it. Finally, the time came, and suddenly, the Rav wasn't there. My grandfather wasn't there. And instead, the Shamis of the Shul, had a long white beard, they invited him to be Masada Kedushin. When people heard about that, they were so upset. What a chutzpah. They didn't call the Rav, and this woman, she went out without her hair uncovered, not properly, and she did that. What a chutzpah. How could she do that? At least make the chutzpah in a different city. And people came to my great-grandfather, and he said, Rav, should we make a machal in your honor? The great-grandfather says, don't make a machal. It's not worth it. And you know something? You know why it's not worth it? You don't make a machlekes about it. I said my thing. If they didn't listen, they listened. And anyways, he said, very off the cuff. And anyways, why make a big deal if it's not going to be relevant for this year anyways? Everyone was wondering, what's he talking about? Not relevant, which means it's not going to continue to happen this year. And suddenly, the kala... A few months later, she got a very deadly virus, and she was nifter that year. When that family, the wealthy family, heard what my great-grandfather said, that you don't have to worry, it's not going to pass within a year, they said, you cursed our daughter. And people said, yeah, you deserved it. And they started fighting. My great-grandfather said, Rabbi Sai, we're not fighting about this. They made a decision. We're not, no, but it's your honor. No, it's not. Get up. My grandfather, after 31 years of being a rub of that city, said, if this is leading to Machlekas, the argument, I'm picking myself up and leaving. And with that, he picked himself up and left. In the next nine years of his life, he was a rub in a smaller town. He did that all for Shalom. So again, we learned was the tzitkis of my great-grandfather, how the Chazanish said how he would go on his feet. Even though it was a chamsin, it was a very hot time, okay. he said to my grandfather, even though it's very hard to be a, a country yid in America, he's also visiting the Tata, remember your father. My grandfather had a dream and my great-grandfather said, don't worry, even though he was burning up a fever. He said, don't worry, I'm going to be here to help you. And he felt totally confident after that. Let's not forget the story of Shner Cutler saying who his Chavrusa was. He told his father that, and Rav Aaron Cutler said, I saw the Chavetz Chaim myself stand up for the Kol Karov, Rav, Rav Yalko Silva. And remember that he was the Adak and Kanoi, he was somebody that stood up for Hashem. We also should stand up for Hashem. He would do things for other cities like build Mikvayis and Erevin. And he would have a shear on Ein Yaakov and Mishnayis for all the simple people. If you see a, a student who's struggling, help them. Try to be their friend. Speak to them. Lift them up. And he was a rub of the entire city. He didn't have shoes that had, that had shoelaces because he didn't want to waste time. Every okay. second in the look that we have time, let's utilize for Abedis Hashem. He had a tremendous simchasatar and a gishmak. Let's have a gishmak in our limurat as well. 
that even non-Jews saw that he was somebody that was chashuv, that they put out their cigarettes when they saw him. And he said, I don't want to have anything to do with Elam I don't want to have anything to do with this world. This is only a tunnel into the next world. And his kayach hatzila of wearing tals and so on the whole day, and he had that special siddur that they put under the, the pillow of this sick child, and also the pillow of this young lady, and he had the ball of yarn, and he had the tremendous kayach hatzila. We too have a kayach hatzila of amen yeshmer abba. Remember that and get a siddur, something that talks to you, tells you why it's so chashuv in the eyes of Hashem. He had tikkun chatzais, he had a kittel, and he used to roll around in the off, and with, with the, the ashes, and he would say, Hashem, we almost had Mashiach, and he was right there. And if you feel pain about something, channel that into Hashem's pain, how he so much wants to do what's good for us, but he can't for whatever reason right now. And let's remember that the, his place in the northeast corner he had was cordoned off, which was, it was set aside, and it had, it had charitzim, it had indentations in the floor because of his tremendous islahavos. People from all over would come over to, from different towns to see how he would daven. You could do that too. Daven with his sahavos, daven with a bread with a fire, with a passion towards Hashem. And let's remember finally this idea of shalom and being selfless, that when other Rabbanim came in, he would leave to allow them to have the full exposure, that be close to people and people should be close to them and be nana from them. You see somebody that doesn't have something, give that to them as well. And finally, the last story that we said with a young Kala who unfortunately didn't listen, and he said, because of Darke Shalom, I'm not going to have this fight in the community. I'm going to pick myself up and leave, even though I've been here for 31 years. I'm going to pick myself up at 60 and start myself all over again, just not to have a fight. Kindalach, let's take all these beautiful lessons. I'd like to thank JRU Radio and Ramesh Grunfeld for uh, inviting me. We should continue. Oh. The next time we should be on the radio, it should be Shefer Shalmashiach. And the mayor of the man who should hear that, Amen, be Amen. Wow, 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 such touching stories. Wow, oh my goodness. <laughs> I have one question, Rabbi. Uh, the name Sova is not uh, popular by Ashkenaz, uh, right? Correct. So where it come from, just uh, if you have an idea? Uh, so that's the million-dollar question. So we, I got it, and my, 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 the one picture we have of my Elta Zeda, he has... An up hat, and he's wearing a gartel and a rekel. So it's Hasidish. Uh, so it could be Sova in Ukrainian means owl. Mm-hmm. However, um, as I'm doing more uh, background, ironically, I'm a Rav of a Sephardi Shul. So everyone jokes about that, that I came back, because there's a Rav Avram Sava from, uh, from Gerushe Svard from the time of the Spanish Inquisition. He authored a saver called Sor Hamar and Eshkola Kaifer. And he, his name is spelled very similar to ours. His name is spelled Samach Bez Ayin. My Elta Zeda, he wrote Samach Aleph Vav Vav Ayin. Uh-huh. So it could be we stam from him, and we're uh, great great grandchildren of his, which makes sense. We spell our name Samach Bez Aleph, or it, or it could be Ayin as well. And uh, so it could be it's Ukrainian, could be it's it's Swedish. Uh, so we all from We all from Mount Sinai. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah, right. Wow. All right, very good, Rabbi Yeshua Silva. Yes, excellent job. Well, I actually didn't even know you were going to be on. Okay, fine, excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> and this, uh, right, well, well, we, we emailed you. I, right, I, right. I, no, no, no. I, I, you know what? I must have forgotten. You know, I forgot that I have so many people I'm contacting. <laughs> I have like uh, 30 people I contacted this week uh, to stories, magician, uh, this. So, I you know, see. one of you guys, I must have. <laughs> So I would say in Yiddish, Chazak u Baruch. Thank you. Yeah, okay. 
All right, that was Rabbi Yeshua Silva. If uh, are you available for hiring or no? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I, we could talk later if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you, you know, we'll talk later about it. Then I guess, uh, you know, if you'd uh, maybe allow, I don't know, you want, you want to say your number or you'd rather not? Yeah, yeah. 732. I still have a liquid number. 732-644-7060. And I'm in Eastern Standard Time. I currently live in Miami Beach. I'm a Rav Hashem for five years in the Sephardi Shul, Sha'are Ezra. And um, Hashem has given me a talent to really believe my stories and to inspire people with me as well. And wow. it's okay. a tremendous honor to be a part of this, and I thank you. Wow, it's unbelievable. Okay, wow, those are great stories with the Zaydi. Anyways, please be Ms. Paolo for Alexander, Zisha, Benaliza, and thank you, Rev. Yeshua Silva again. And uh, we hope you have a great Shabbos, and Bez Hashem will be uh, another week. I just want Bez to... Hashem. I want just to, to uh, tell the kids here, you know, we're still looking for, um, what do you call it, uh, junior reporters and replacement for uh, it shows uh, us kids, kids, I'm not talking about adults, kids, you know, the DJ Yuda and uh, junior parasha hours, we're still uh, looking for you guys, and I know that you have a lot of talents. And beside this, uh, Pirche, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Pirche. Now, boys and boys and girls, this is a wonderful highlight. All right, Rabbi Yeshua, you can go. <laughs> you <laughs> have you a great Shabbos, and we'll be in touch. Uh, okay, uh, boys and girls over here, there's something called the Pirche hotline. The Pirche Agadas Yisrael hotline. You can call 718-663-0212. That's 718-663-0212. Baruch Hashem, we had a storyteller. I did not get to what I wanted to get to. Um, and I will get to that next week. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, please also be misspelled for Noach Ben Rachel. He needs a kidney. <laughs>